Nothing has changed the world of sports, and I mean nothing more than free agency. Today we have with us Jim Quinn, legendary sports lawyer who spearheaded free agency and is now the author of a book that you got to read. It's called Don't Be Afraid to Win, How Free Agency Changed the Business of Pro Sports. It really did, Jim, right? I mean, the game is so different as a whole from what it was, say, back in the 60s and the 70s. Yeah, there's no question. Uh, as you know, some of the older folks may remember back in the day, um, players, whether it was uh, basketball, hockey, football, or baseball, were essentially tied to their teams uh, like serfs. And uh, even after their contracts were up because of a thing that was referred to as the so-called reserve system, they uh, were unable to uh, move to another team, negotiate with another team. Uh, it was a different world. Yeah, no question. And I mean, I guess it was good for Yankee fans and Packer fans and some of those <laughs> t- dynasties. But for a lot of people in certain marketplaces, and it's and to be honest, some cases with free agency, but that's more a question of the owners that run it themselves. We still see a little of that today, don't we? Yeah, you do. But, you know, the reality is that the reserve system actually uh, in many ways hurt professional sports because you – you uh, were able to retain, and the Boston Celtics, of course, is the best example with 10 out of 11 championships. Uh, there were, there were a lot of teams, including my New York Knicks, that didn't have a chance. Uh, and under free agency, if you're a lousy team, if you're, if you're you know, Kansas City or uh, Cincinnati, whatever, the way you go about improving is uh, not just through a draft. That's one player at a time but through uh, going out into the free market and signing players. It well, makes you, the game a lot more exciting. Well, a lot of the old-timers do make the argument that, oh, it was better with the draft and you could build slowly. But the problem was the draft is not uh, – it's a guess. Let's face it. You look at any uh, first-round pick, maybe half, maybe a third of them actually pan out. Sure, it's a gamble. So uh, the difference is going out into a free agency market, you know that um, – players are established they're good players and you can you can go out and sign them and does that mean that you know they may make more money yeah god bless america that's what that's what that's what free uh you know that uh our system's all about exactly major league baseball was the place where this really started to blossom right i mean this goes back to kurt flood goes back to marvin miller and all those things yeah it's sort of ironic because uh almost simultaneously uh basketball and baseball True. were the first two to get free agency. We got it through the Robertson Settlement Agreement. Oscar Robertson had, uh, spearheaded a, an antitrust case against uh, first to try to block successfully the merger between the ABA and the NBA and also attack the reserve system in, in basketball. And simultaneously, first through Kurt Flood, which did not work, and then later through an arbitration known as the Andy Messersmith Arbitration, a uh, Dodger pitcher, uh, he was able to obtain free agency in the mid-70s, and uh, and the world began to change. Absolutely. You know, and I really remember that because as a little kid, I was a big fan of the Oakland A's. I grew up in the Bay Area. I loved the A's, and I watched free agency kill Charlie Finley and so forth. Yeah. And it yeah. really kind of changed who was going to own, right? I mean, it really did. You, you weren't going to have those as many of those family situations where you have the same owner year, year decade after decade after decade. Oh, yeah, and there's no question that it had an impact on at every level, including ownership. Uh, one of the ironies in baseball is probably the best example is that after free agency came into play uh, for the next 15 years, it was largely 
small market teams that won uh, championships, including Kansas City and Minnesota, yeah. uh, Cincinnati, and several others. And the Yankees' domination actually uh, uh, was uh, less significant during that period of time. Unfortunately, it's still less significant. <laughs> well, and let's talk about uh, the salary cap, because I think that's the crucial part. That's what I enjoyed most about the book. The salary cap was almost going to have to be done to stop these people from stopping themselves, wasn't it? Or, or, or Well, I mean, that was uh, certainly the, the whole idea of these restrictions. The salary cap is a good example. It is, uh, you know, it, presumably to prevent uh, owners from being idiots. Um, and, and as, as sometimes they are, you know, good owners and uh, good general managers, uh, can, uh, can do well under any system, but you know, there are those who are, are, uh, not as good. Uh, unfortunately that recently is largely related to the New York teams of which I'm uh, a fan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, uh, you would think a big market would be able to do better, but unfortunately that doesn't seem to be the case, uh, cause it's, it also requires skill, not just money. Um, but the, the irony of free agency is that it's actually benefited not just the players. Obviously, players are making uh, an enormous amount of money, but uh, look at the value of these uh, sports franchises today with the NFL's True. averaging close to $3 billion. If you added up all the uh, uh, franchise values of the four major sports, it's well over $200 billion. It's mind-boggling. Big business. It really is. One more thing about the salary cap, too. Sure. It sort of changed the way you have to manage a team. I mean, for example, here in Vegas, the hockey team, who'd have thought a franchise, an expansion franchise, takes off, right? And the right. first year they get in the Stanley Cup, well, all of a sudden now people are finding out, okay, we got to be able to manage it because all of a sudden now all these guys are worth more money. And it's really kind of an art form to be able to get that just right mix. It isn't the, – the free agency, the, the thought was that the Yankees were going to have all the great players all the time. It has changed. I mean this whole thing now, you kind of have to have certain levels of players because, and you got to move people on a lot because so- – you can't. We can't just go. You, you can't spend unlimited amounts of money. It actually requires people to know what they're doing. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's in, in that sense, it's not a bad thing. I, you know, the salary cap came in first in basketball in the early '80s because uh, at that time, as I point out in the book, there were uh, a half dozen franchises that were really close to extinction, and uh, and we agreed to a salary cap really to save the league. Uh, and it worked out, and it's worked out well for the players, obviously, uh, because it's tied to revenues, and revenues in the NBA have expanded enormously. You've got uh, players now averaging close to $10 billion a year, which is not bad. Uh, on the other hand, the NBA franchises are worth uh, billions, so uh, it's worked out for both sides. It really has. I remember at one time, again, getting back to Charlie Finley, his suggestion was, well, if you were going to go to free agency, and make everybody a free agent every year. But that wouldn't have worked out either, would it? No, that would have been a terrible idea from the player's standpoint. You have too many players on the market uh, at the same time, which would lower their value. Uh, the, system, uh, the, the systems that are in existence today, uh, I think, works for both the owners and the players. Uh, in, in a reasonably fair way. I mean, obviously, there, there's going to be some issues coming up in baseball uh, because of the, uh, the sense that uh, veteran players are not being bid for at the same level that they had done in the past. And you've got young players in baseball who 
stars who are you know when they're beginning their their careers and they're making virtually nothing. And uh, it seems to me that structurally they're going to have to work on that. Well, yeah, this is relatively new. I mean, when you think about it, it's only a few decades where this has been really going on, and it seems like. This has worked out well because there's been an evolution of this and it's kind of changed the ways. Most important is athletes are actually getting what they deserve considering they're the stars. I mean, without them, there's no game. Well, that's, that's, that was what we fought for from the very beginning. Uh, and obviously, the you know, owners, uh, particularly in football, they fought at the hardest for the longest period of time. Um, the, uh, it wasn't until the 90s that we were able to achieve free agency in football. And that was only after a four-month trial in Minneapolis, uh, where they uh, they fought us tooth and nail. And thank, and actually, the title of the book is uh, uh, derives from that trial when uh, uh, the uh, Gene Upshaw, who was a Hall of Fame guard for the Oakland Raiders, and played at the head of the union when we were going finally uh, getting up to close. I uh, was getting up to close uh, the case and closing argument. And Upshaw looked down at me, put his hand on my shoulder, and said, "Quinn, don't be afraid to win." <laughs> Something I'll never forget. Wow! Uh, and we did win. <laughs> yeah, he was an important guy. I, I knew him. That's when I really started in my earliest days, in my almost my teenage years, starting in sports in uh, the locker room. He was a great guy, and he was one of these guys that. He struck me, and I, I guess you could see here, he could work with the owners in a way, maybe because he worked with Al Davis, who actually was friendly to the players. Oh, yeah, no, Al and, and Gene actually had uh, had a good relationship. And uh, Davis, who I also knew, uh, wanted uh, wanted Gene, when he uh, when he finished his career, wanted to come and have him be general manager of the Raiders. And uh, I think Upshaw had the good sense of knowing as much as he might have liked Davis, he didn't <laughs> want to work for him. <laughs> Absolutely. Why was football, Jim, why was football so difficult to move is it just because the because these guys were number one at the time so they figure well, why do we have to do this and they thought they had pretty more much leverage? i mean they, they 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 felt they had a lot of leverage and it wasn't until we made the decision to actually uh decertify the union blow it up so to speak that would allow us to bring an antitrust lawsuit uh and that was gene's uh vision and and he had the guts to do it uh and uh, that's what led to free agency yeah we had to fight him tooth and nail it's incredible. And all these things you talk about in the book, these various strikes, because these strikes and lockouts and so forth, fans hate that. You know, there were the, And quite frankly, it's bad for the game and so forth. But what lessons do they learn? Because I, I don't see those as, as happening as much as they were. See, the late 90s and so forth, it seemed like you, know, you had one every now and then. Yeah, it's changed. Um, the uh, strikes really, I think, are... are, are pretty much a thing of the past, although it's possible in baseball coming around this time. The, you know, the, the, uh, the tool that the NFL and, and the NBA and, and hockey as well have used in more recent time is to lock the players out and put pressure on them in that, in that sense. Um, and, but there's so much money involved now uh, to do that and to impact your television revenue. Uh, it, the owners really have to think twice whether or not they want to shut the league down. Uh, when they shut the league down, they're taking money out of their own pockets. Absolutely. The book is Don't Be Afraid to Win, How Free Agency Changed the Business of Pro Sports. It's a great read. Jim Quinn, thank you so much for being with us. How do we get that? You can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and where other good 
uh, books are sold. Amazon's probably the best place. Thank you, Take Jim. Take care, Stephen. <laughs>